0: Welcome. You're listening to The Hill by Thieves Theatre. I'm Gabrielle.
1: I'm Nick, and we're thieves.
0: Right. Well, not exactly. Beginning in 1981, we called ourselves Thieves Theatre, but we didn't just do theatre. We did conceptual guerrilla art projects or what we called paratheatrical work. Our goal was to disrupt and alter the social and political status quo.
1: Well, not really. We just like putting uh, sticks in anthills and seeing all the ants readjust and adapt to the new reality. The new status quo. The new status quo, right.
0: So in this podcast, we'll be highlighting the various projects that best exemplify this. In the first episode, we started to tell you about the hill, which is mostly what this podcast is going to be focusing on Um, in this episode however we'd like to tell you a little more about ourselves both our uh, personal background and our 42 year creative history together including the work that led up to the quote-unquote teepee on the hill which is how everybody mostly referred to it We didn't do anything with the story of the hill for 30 years. Mm. People died in horrific ways, some of them, and even though we're not directly responsible for those deaths, we certainly were a cog in the mechanism that uh, led up to those deaths. So at that point, Mm. it... Ceased being an art project. Yeah,
1: we were we were basically traumatized by everything that had happened, right. and um, I even had a little psychic break at the time. Little, you know, yeah, little enough, big enough, little enough, whatever. I mean, there was a, a murder investigation, and grand juries were convened, and et cetera, et cetera. You know, when the dust all settled. We put our archives in the basement and we just sort of moved on with our lives. Um,
0: So now 30 years later, what was the hill which is now a public plaza called Forsyth Plaza uh, replete with bike path and beautifully landscaped everything on the hill, Uh, sorry Forsyth Plaza. And we came to realize that the story is part of New York City history, and that we're the only ones who can tell that history. We're the only ones that can tell the story of the community that was there for over five years before we ever even got there, and then we were there for almost three years. So now I was able to get my journal published. The New York Public Library bought a copy of the book, a uh, Nick wrote his side of the story in a serialized auto fiction, the first chapters of which you can read on our website, thievestheater.org That's theater with an R E. Uh, NYU fails library is going to be collecting the archives. So, you know, now the story is out of our basement and it's out in the world where it should be. And that was our responsibility to do that. But, The work of reckoning with what it was that we did back then has really only just begun. As people and as artists, uh, a lot of questions. And though through the work on the Hill, I would say, we're compelled to look at the big picture, which includes a 42-year history between the two of us, a life lived. And does it amount to anything? Does it have any substance? Um, well,
1: yeah. I mean, a, a life, a creative life, mostly in theater, but with these other uh, guerrilla art projects. And yeah, does it amount anything? Is it just a, a hill of beans or whatever? Right. But, I th- mean, the hill. You know, that's the hill itself is uh, almost a metaphor, both in just its name, and uh, our lives. I mean, at a certain point our theater moved up to the hill, and then from there, it came down from the hill.
0: Right, as lives do. I think it's a great metaphor in general, including for Manhattan and the history of the geography, which we'll get into later, which is really fascinating. Um, We put our work on the hill in historical context so that the people living there felt like they were part of something larger, right? And we'll get to that at a certain point also. But any case, these are the questions at hand, you know, and for me it's also important, Uh, can it be of any use to others, right? Um, Right,
1: I mean, so you know, there's our reassessment coming to terms with the Hill, I mean, I think that um, for me I remember writing something right at the, when when the whole thing was still raw, I was writing something uh, about the Hill just reflecting on it I wrote that I once believed that theater had a boxing wing that sort of surrounded you and graced you. And it allowed you to take the street fight and the wars that were going on and protect it and allowed a kind of holy catharsis. After that, I came to see, after the hill, I came to see that, no, it's not special. It's one more action you do in the world that you have to take responsibility for. There's no holy thing around it protecting it. After the teepee was torn down, the hill was raised, Gabriel and I went and we jumped over the fence that cyclone fence they'd put around it. And we, we planted a, uh, a Christmas tree right at the place that Mr. Lee's hut was at. And it lived just one year and then it died and i, I think that's sort of encapsulated what happened to our our mental state as we as we left the hill at and that honestly, time honestly
0: even that was traumatic because part of the reason we put up a tree was because we were told when we first got to the hill do you remember this yeah. that there was a tree once standing where we put up the teepee, and that that tree got struck by lightning, and that's what allowed us to put the teepee up because the tree was no longer there.
1: And I remember going when we were preparing the floor inside the teepee after it was, was all the roots, right? Yeah, we found the roots of that tree, right. which was yeah something. So
0: even the fact that we planted this tree and it only lived for a year <laughs> was kind of re-traumatizing in some ways because we had hoped to put something more permanent from nature.
1: Yeah, some kind of memorial memorial and it it never happened and now the plaza is all paved over. Yeah, and
0: nobody even knows. Uh, You know, it's very difficult to do anything with City Hall or the powers that be, but we really still want to work on getting a plaque or something there that doesn't gloss over the history and... The people who lived and died there, it needs to be known, right? But in any case, after the hill, we just put everything in the basement, and we moved on with our lives. And we just didn't do anything for a long time and, and tried to recover, and then it led into a whole period of activity and productivity where we did something called Rat Conference for 10 years. That was from 94 to 2004 approximately. The Rat Conference ended up being an important slice of alternative American theater history and we threw ourselves in that. It was about organizing small and medium-sized theater and theater makers across the country.
1: Well, it was also part of our uh, recovery from from the Hill. I mean, yeah. we went back to quote-unquote normal kind of theater in a way, yeah. uh, which was organizing a lot of uh, alternative theaters from around the country. Right. Yeah.
0: So what drew us together, uh, Nick and me, in many ways, is sort of the thing that we're talking about around the edges of at the moment which is how much of your work in the arts in our case theater paratheatrical productions uh is vanity right I mean we live in the United States which has a measure of success being how rich and famous are you and it's always very difficult to escape that. There are a lot of people who, like us, who try to escape it, but, you know, it's always just sitting there. It's always sitting there. And we've always been pretty good, right, at coming well, to
1: Well, I mean, pretty good. I guess it's more like we've always been trying, which, which means that we succeed and we fail. I think that the thing we've looked for or thought about, really, was in a lot of the work is how to how to stay on the fringe, somewhat anonymous, and still have impact as uh, maybe legend instead of fame. Something that people don't heard about, but don't quite know who created it or why it was created, but it has some kind of impact. And so, we tried to stay there on the fringe where there. Exactly. Unknown, but known is c- some kind of thing that's unknown. <laughs> right, right.
0: And, you know, this, this difference between legend and fame is uh, something that plays an important role between Nick and me and how we started to understand that we're probably a pretty good team. Because Okay, well, I'm going to have to go back a little bit. Why? (laughs) Because I remember so well that we we met in college, and he was a graduate student getting a degree in literature with an emphasis uh, on creative writing at U of I Circle, and I was an actor, an undergrad in the theater department. Right. And when we first met, we were not in love. I wasn't, (laughs) but... A little while later, when I got to know him a little better, I was totally smitten, (laughs) I guess to use an old-fashioned word, because I went to college, so, you know, I was born in Germany, grew up there for 11 years, uh, came to the U.S., eventually ended up in college here, even though I said I will never marry an American, I'm going back to Germany. Uh, I wasn't supposed to stay here. My parents said we're only going to be here two years. I was counting the minutes, um, you know. And then a lot of stuff happened, which I don't want to get into. But I was reluctantly staying here and and going to college, biting my time till I went back to Germany. But then I met Nick, right? And here's somebody. I'll let you tell your own story, of course, but. Um, he had this whole history where he went to college because it was a logical next move, not because you like me. I came from a working-class family. My father was a truck driver. My mother was a waitress and hostess at a, a steakhouse, um, and my brother and I were the first in the family to go to college. You know, my mother was German, obviously an immigrant. So you know, the the quintessential. American dream is what they lived. So I was always, you're going to college, you're going to college. That was always hammered into me. It wasn't my own choice. It was just what one did until I met Nick.
1: Why? That's why I was confused when you said it was a logical next step, not for me. No, you, uh, no, for me. Oh, I see. But that's see. why I started ah, becoming attracted yeah. to you. Oh, yeah. Because you
0: didn't go to college because no. your parents told no, you to. On no, the contrary, no, no, you know? no.
1: I was a high school dropout and uh,
0: delinquents. Okay.
1: <laughs> I mean, do I need a pro? I mean, you have to tell me I'm. A, I was a delinquent. Of course. <laughs> I'm not going to hide the fact. Yeah. So I. I mean. I. Yeah. I had to go. I mean, at that time, I was a high school dropout, and uh, I got in a lot of trouble, and I, uh, I basically had to sneak around our town to, uh, I grew up in Lockport, I had to sneak around and go to Joliet, Illinois, and uh, sign up with the recruiter so I wouldn't go to jail. But, um, you know, the Army did something good for me, it straightened me out. It was during the time of Vietnam, but I didn't go to Vietnam. And you went to? Germany, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And met my first girlfriend, who wasn't you, but Eva. <laughs> yeah, but um, so when um, I got my GED inside the inside the army, um, so when I got out, I had uh, kind of transformed quite a bit, and I I wanted to go to college. I wanted I I started going back to where I was before I became a delinquent, and was a reader and a writer even when I was a young kid, and uh, I went into college and started uh, studying literature.
0: But what amazed me is that was not the given trajectory in your family. You were one of six kids, all of which dropped out of high school. Right. And yeah. you came from a family of alcoholics, something, yeah, you okay. know. Yeah, okay.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's that's all it, background. It,
0: but. In, no. Yeah, but it's amazing because to tear yourself away from your family and say, I'm going to be the one to go to college here, you know to me that was a huge deal. Well, n-
1: well it wasn't it wasn't in my head a huge deal. Okay, well you were also easy the oldest. So it uh, was easy uh, to go the GI bill, they gave you money to go to school. School was paid for if you went inside your state. It was it was a uh, it was an easy thing to do. It was better than getting a job, you know. Yeah. And so uh yeah, so I went to college. By the time I met Gabrielle, I had Gone into uh, graduate study at uh, U of I, and uh, I was finished with the graduate study, and I had written my thesis, which was an autobiography of Jesus Christ. Right, and I decided to uh, then audition because I didn't know what to do with myself after I had finished my opus, you know, an autobiography of Jesus Christ, except go on stage. So I um, I auditioned inside your department, or you know, you not Johnny
0: Pasco ask you.
1: Oh, what are you talk? You're you're talking about how we met. Yeah. Yes. We met on stage inside the balcony. uh, Janae's played a balcony. Right. And years later, I had a friend, um, Johnny Pasco.
0: Sorry, Johnny Stranger.
1: Yeah, the escape artist from (laughs) Coney Coney Island. Island. Yeah. (laughs) Where we spent a lot of time. Great guy. Yeah. (laughs) And. uh, we became friends, and uh, in that friendship at one point, he said, do you remember the first time you kissed, Gabrielle? And I, I thought back, at, and I, I couldn't, you know, I was thinking, well, there must have been some kind of romantic moment or something that, that happened. But, no, it was on stage before. We were on stage of the balcony, and I was playing Roger the Revolutionary, and you were the revolutionary. Yes, Chantal. Chantal, and I was... Th- also ahead of the revolution, but um, at that time she didn't like me at all, and uh, okay, I, you, and and you know I liked her, but yeah, know. okay, and you, we kissed on stage. That's yes, what
0: and and he really liked me, but you got to understand, okay? I'm at this point a suburban girl and circles acting treasure. Oh yeah, right?
1: <laughs> the press said that In one article. The press, the press said,
0: said that, um, but. Yeah, I, I I, was kind of my college and high school, but later on, college acting star, you know. And Nick was writing an autobiography of Jesus Christ. He looked like meathead from all in the family. <laughs> you know, yeah. mustache, long kind of hippie hair to here. Um incredibly introverted. Um, Your brother had also died not long before. I think that had a lot to do with it. And you were just very introverted. And I was like, okay, this is, no, sorry, not my type, right? And I found out then later, okay, so the next play after The Balcony is when things changed. The next play after that was uh, A View from the Bridge, uh, which my mentor, Bill Raffeld, directed and nick came and he auditioned and suddenly he looked completely different he was shaved he looked like a 50s dad uncle dad whatever if you know you from the bridge Um, and i thought oh wow he does have a grip on reality (laughs) he's not insane and out of his mind and that's when i figured out that his thesis is called n Autobiography of Jesus Christ, not the Autobiography of Jesus Christ. I appreciate Christ. you noticing the
1: <laughs> distinction. That yeah. made
0: all the difference for me, okay? So, in other words, his thesis was basically... Oh,
1: yeah, by that time, too, I was almost part of the theater department now because they were casting me in roles. Right. And, you know, so we started acting in roles together. And so out of that came came Thieves' Theater, but it was after a kind of progression of little college plays that we did together.
0: Yes, uh-huh. um, yes, we did a bunch of plays together. In fact, that year after View from the Bridge, I think um, we did Summer Stock. I think that yeah, yeah, we went to year.
1: yeah. I mean, yeah, we did the the Shakespeare thing oh, and Midsummer and yes, then, Midsummer
0: Night's Dream. Yeah,
1: and then then we went to uh, Summer Camp or whatever you know for that. <laughs> summer Camp,
0: Summer Stock. Summer stuff. Yeah,
1: summer cap for theater nerds. <laughs> right, so I was sort of becoming like all the other theater nerds that were inside the college right. at that time. Okay.
0: And so here's one more quick story. Nick cannot play anything straight. He always has to analyze it and philosophize it and metaphysicalize everything he does. So he couldn't even do Alice in Wonderland straight. I was playing Alice and I'm supposed to be hop skipping and jumping through the forest and everybody else is going whoo 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 being you know waving their arms playing trees but nick has to play a japanese you so i i run past him and he's going hey yeah
1: <laughs> yeah some kung <laughs> then, fu moves. Then, he know, played, mean,
0: <laughs> then he also karate, played then he also played yeah. the march hare and he figured out that the march hare well you can you can tell what i mean it.
1: the march hare is a you know a, a rabbit in spring who's in heat yeah right that's the that's why he called it a March Hare, you know. So like a nervous kind of, but a sexual thing. So I, I put a little hip hop in the hips. And, yeah, uh,
0: yeah, you know, like a little uh, Elvis hip thrust uh, yeah, yeah. thing as he and, was and walking.
1: Bill, the director, Bill said, okay, that's fine, you know. <laughs> and the kids loved it. They didn't know what the hell I was doing. <laughs> I don't know what the, parent, the parents might not have liked it. Or they probably liked it too. I mean, it was right, the Elvis right. move. Right. But, uh, yeah, so we... We did all those plays but really we were forming our circle of people who were coming back to the balcony because the balcony was the play that we were all behind yes and, and i mean by by we i mean Tanush and chris and uh uh morgan uh, you know cedric all, and deborah uh, deborah yeah. and we were all
0: we're all still lifelong friends and um and then uh after the balcony uh, and all of that is also then how we decided our Genet aesthetic. Um, we read a lot of Genet and Artaud, and you know Sartre and, uh, and Sartre's book Saint Genet. Saint yeah. Genet, yeah, uh,
1: right. And so we formed uh, Thieves Theater, but we formed it with also a production that we were going to take to uh, you know Stateville in Joliet, State, the Stateville prison. So we went to Stateville prison with Death Watch. uh, Exactly, and uh, we—that was the first production we did as Thieves Theater.
0: Yes, and uh, that actually, exactly, was the first production, and sort of cemented our aesthetic in so many ways. And what was also really cool for me is I was actually getting a dual degree in criminal justice and in theater, and my criminal justice department just loved this combination of Genet and theater and. My studies there, you know, it was kind of cool um, because it coincidentally came together. Yeah,
1: so we brought workshops there, and there was a group inside the prison that mm-hmm. we worked with who were um, called the Con artists or Con artistes, Artists. Con, yes. con artistes.
0: And um, Morgan McCabe was with us um, in Stateville doing right those workshops. Yeah, uh, we were doing the know?
1: workshops. Uh, we were all doing workshops with them, but they wanted to. Workshop with the women. Yes, yes. Well, and
0: M- Morgans and my workshops right. were the best attended. And at they the, were
1: also trying to get letters as well. To yeah, get they wanted parole recommendation. recommendations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, stuff. Um, yeah, but I mean, it was it was a, a good experience. And then...
0: By the way, I just want to say that because I say, that, yeah, they wanted a parole recommended. That's not the way I meant to make it sound. What I, what I really meant is that, um, of course, these people had a relationship with us, and that was my first kind of learning experience, that your actions have consequences, you know? Oh, yeah, let's go do a... Let's go do a workshops and a play in a maximum security prison. Uh, you know, y- young and naive, and that naivete in some way just never fully goes away, you know? Uh, in terms of Well, what, I don't what, what
1: know if it's quite na- naivete. I mean, it's it's a kind of bravado. Bravado. Y- y- yeah, I mean, so that that is sort of what we've done with a lot of the early shows at these theater was a bravado we'll get to marat saad another thing and all of them but you know bravado is maybe it's a function of youth but it's i it's i don't i'm not as enamored with the actions and the bravado that i had when i was young no but it because it doesn't it it's not bravery there's two different you know you're not brave it's bravado. You're, you're not thinking of the consequences, which that's, are bravado. That's what I'm you're, saying. You're not, you're, you're not saying, oh, but what happens when I do this? Like not, putting not, up
0: a teepee in a shantytown. Well, yeah, know? or,
1: yeah, uh, numerous things. Numerous things, exactly. exactly. Okay.
0: Um, so then comes January, and I, Bill Raffeld, my mentor, uh, encouraged me to audition for the Yale Drama School, and I did, and I got in. Big, big deal, right? Because now my life is gonna change big time. I'm gonna have to move to the East Coast. I'm being thrown on the fast track. I was very naive going to Yale. Speaking of, well, I honestly thought that it was all about art, but what Yale is, was and is about, uh, which is not to say that I didn't have fantastic teachers and got amazing training, but it really is about keeping their reputation up. They need to keep churning out the Paul Newmans, the Meryl Streeps, the Angela Bassetts, the John Turturro's, the latter two were in my era, and many more, Francis McDormand, on and on, right, of, of famous people, and it was never really where I was at. You Yes and no. Again, we live in the U.S. You're constantly wrestling with that. And part of you, you know, out here is like, oh, that would be cool. Yeah. But so in your uh, heart, you're after something different.
1: So we were, I mean, we had formed Thieves Theater before you went to Yale. Yes. So Thieves Theater was always sitting there, you know, as ours, and the thing we were doing together. And you were going to the East Coast. Yes, and PL- we
0: were young in our relationship right so sorry no no you're doing the r what does brenda call it the rbf <laughs> rusting bitch face?
1: Uh, well g- <laughs> you know i mean no I'm, it's not a big deal I, I was i was talking and i was
0: excuse me go ahead
1: i i don't know what i was saying no. okay
0: then i'll continue
1: <laughs> yeah why don't you continue you seem to know what you want to say yeah
0: exactly i was talking too you know when you interrupted me okay <laughs> this is our whole life <laughs> um
1: you okay, don't now know I what lost you... my train of thought. Of course you did. Okay, all right. So, what... so we
0: were go. We had to figure out if we wanted to stay together, right? I was going to go to Yale, uh, move to New Haven, Connecticut, which I thought was bucolic New England. Ha, ha, ha. Um, and Nick was trying to figure out if he's going to stay I- there in Illinois or follow this girl across the country that he really doesn't know all that well. Go ahead.
1: Well, well, now you now you're saying I can talk. Okay, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean no. I it was you may. <laughs> no, we were doing thieves theater, and of course you got into Yale. It was a big deal for for the, all our peers that you got in. You know, everybody knew what the uh, school drama what, meant, mm-hmm. and uh, how everybody was trying to get into it. Um, in fact, you know, friends there, Bill got a couple people in. He got uh, Vito in before you, and then after you, Tessie Tess Winsen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Vito so, Guinness, Yeah, Yeah, so he he was uh, the ticket in. To, and, of course, Bill and Thieves Theater had nothing to do with each other. In fact, that wouldn't be Bill Raphael's aesthetic no, at all. No, that's so, true, yeah. So, uh, so there was Thieves Theater, which was, you know, Artaud, Janae, this kind of, um, you know, somewhat radical kind of theater that we were trying to do, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, so I, I was enamored with it. Well,
0: you and Tanoosh really understood it as well. I was learning it. Yeah. But it excited the hell out of me. But I didn't come to that naturally. I was drawn to it through you guys.
1: Yeah. So Tanush and I were going to continue regardless. But I had to decide whether I was going to stay with you and, I guess, keep you in Thieves Theater, too, because you're going to have a whole new life. And um, so after you got accepted, I, I applied to NYU as a playwright, not having written a play, just written my short fiction, an autobiography of Jesus Christ, but other short fiction that I'd written. And I sent in a, a, just a, you know, a short story to uh, NYU saying I want to be a playwright. And then... Um, what happened was uh, Len Jagen was running the p- department then, the playwriting department at NYU, and he, he he said, well, let me talk with you. And I think, I don't know how we got to New York or w- whether we were moving you in or whatever. I don't think whatever. so, not
0: yet. I have a feeling that we just went there together. D- to look at things, And yeah. to talk to NYU. Um, Schechner yeah. was also part of it, who you were excited about. No, I
1: wanted to work with Schechner. You know, yeah. I mean, I, I you know, when I got there, I saw that... Um, and, you know, Richard
0: Schechner, we should say, for those who don't know who's a big deal. Yeah. History.
1: When I got there, you know, uh, I talked with Len and Len said, OK, yeah, come and be right. a playwright. OK.
0: And then, uh, now I remember. Then afterwards, you know, our fate was decided here. We thought, OK, this is a sign from the heavens that we're supposed to be together and we had all these plans. We were going to live in Bridgeport, get it, Bridgeport?
1: Bridgeport, Connecticut, halfway. halfway
0: between <laughs> New York and New Haven. That, of course, it was impossible. You know, I had to live in New Haven. Um, but I remember going down to Washington Square there at NYU to a phone booth and calling my mother, so excited. Mom, mom, he got in. And my mother goes, Great. (laughs) Well, I mean, she wasn't
1: excited. Of course
0: not. There went all her hopes and dreams for her daughter, who's going to meet, you know, a rich lawyer or somebody at Yale, you know. um, Nick Fracaro is moving with her to New Haven. So now her only hope was that it wouldn't last once we were in New Haven. (laughs) No,
1: No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't put her in that category, <laughs> uh, but yeah, you
0: were a parent. Wouldn't you feel the same?
1: Right. So we ended up going, and basically we went to New Haven, not to Bridgeport. We went yes. to New Haven. We moved into Vito's apartment, I think. Yes. The 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 actor that uh, preceded built. me at Yale. Yeah, and uh, we we it was just a studio apartment and whatever, and we did that for the summer, and I. I think I got a job at as a mechanic at um, Kmart. Kmart, yeah. (laughs) They gave
0: him. They gave him a shirt that had stitched on it. Tony. Yeah, a Kmart. (laughs) So I think they knew he wasn't gonna last.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well.
0: (laughs) And I was a bartender at the time, and we made we you know we moved there early to make some money before classes started. Yeah,
1: yeah, and yeah. So that anyway. So we were there that summer, and I started meeting people there. And, of course, I was introducing myself as going to uh, NYU as playwright that coming fall, which I was still planning to do. So we sort of met all the people there who were there in the class ahead of you and your class that were moving in Mm -hmm. in that summer. And then um, I went and tried to find out if I, and I saw that what the playwriting department at NYU wasn't, I didn't really research it enough, but it was really an adjunct to to film. So there was no sense of theater there. I had gone really thinking, well, NYU, Richard Schechner, who was, I was reading him in uh, the TDR, I think it was Tulane Review back then. Tulane Drama Review. Right. I was reading him and, uh, you know, what he was putting together on theater and all that with Grotowski and everything out like that seemed to fit in exactly what we were doing in Thieves Theater, so I, I wanted to go, and I saw that I talked to Schechner, and uh, I had a great talk with him, and he, he, um, he enjoyed my story of uh, an autobiography of Jesus Christ, which I had written, and he, you know, so I, I could have had a relationship with him, but it wouldn't have been, any case, I decided not to go to, uh, and I stayed at Yale, though, that whole year, even though I went back to Chicago, but that year at Yale, I really wrote my first play.
0: Exactly. Yes. Right. You wrote Traveling Light.
1: Which, yeah, I wrote Traveling Light and then w- went back to Chicago and produced theater with Tanoosh. With
0: Tanoosh, right. Uh, you guys produced without me the unfortunately named Bucket of Beckett.
1: There's nothing unfortunate about <laughs> that on. name. Bucket of Beckett? Yeah, it was a bucket of <laughs> Can plays. we show a
0: little more respect for poor Samuel Beckett? Uh, he's not poor
1: and he's... <laughs> dead isn't he yeah no bucket of
0: Beckett, which was act without words one and two breath not I, and rock of eye which rock-a-bye we still talk about to this day whenever we're feeling down and need to be lifted up or whatever we're just cynical about life or whatever we go fuck life rocker away rocker away rocker rock her away. away fuck life yeah
1: <laughs> uh, yeah but, I mean, it, it was cool. We were doing it uh, in alternative spaces and galleries mostly. Uh, we did uh, plays at uh, Randolph Street Gallery, which sort of changed the tra- trajectory of what we then were doing because uh, we did um, uh, a swan song wi- by Chekhov, which was a play about a actress at the end of her career. And he, it was only a two-hander with... Um, uh, the other actor, actress being a um, understudy, right? And when we, and this gets to the heart of what we started doing, which is using reality and the f- fictional reality of a theater sort play, para theater, and the try to, right? yeah, well, trying to bring the two together. So uh, who was the woman we cast? Um, uh, she, she
0: was, was uh, Catherine Loesch, a wonderful. Teacher and actress and uh, poet uh, who taught at U of I uh, communications and speech.
1: So she I was later her. later it was later in her career. In fact, she hadn't acted for years, and she was just a teacher. Yes. And we asked her to do the swan song, and then Morgan was going to be the understudy. Morgan
0: McCabe was going to be the understudy. But
1: instead, what happened was she got on stage and she couldn't memorize her lines, and she she was. Very upset about that, but she stuck it out, and she went to every uh, every night of the performance, and came on stage and started saying the lines, and then Morgan just took over as understudy. As
0: understudy, and, right? And which was a, brilliant. I mean, you know, it worked out amazing. Well, I you mean, take yeah. what life hands you, and it becomes a better work of art, right? Yeah,
1: but the thing with that, just the Randolph Street Gallery. What happened was, um, I had had written the play then. And Tanoosh wanted to direct it, and he directed it at um, another place in Chicago, uh, WPA. I forgot what that performance space was exactly. But he did he did the play there. And at the time, we got a, an email, I think, from ABC No Rio. Oh, no, from Randolph Street Gallery. Yes. Saying that. Uh, an email? That was, this was uh, well, way before oh, that, email. Yeah. <laughs> that was an email. A phone call or something. <laughs> But anyway, Randolph Street Gallery said that they were that um that ABC No Rio. Randolph Street Gallery became a kind of prominent gallery in the alternative gallery scene as did as yes. did No and Rio. Yes. And they had
0: a relationship with No Rio and, and this is how we got to New York actually with your play.
1: Right. And and No Rio said they'd give $500. Oh, my
0: God, we're so proud of that to this day.
1: Yeah, because No Rio, I mean, back in 1982 or whatever it was, I mean, $500 from an alternative. But anyway, to bring us to New York, they wanted to bring Thieves' Theater. They didn't necessarily want to bring my play, but they liked the idea of Thieves' Theater because they had stolen. If you don't know about No Rio, it's a very interesting story.
0: Um. Yes, ABC No Rio exists to this day, and it's uh, a legendary space here in New York. They came into prominence with something called the Real Estate Show, which is back in uh, the late 70s, I guess it was. No, 1980. 80, 80. okay. They, uh, quote, stole a building, they squatted in a building uh, in New York City, and Got a lot of attention for it when the city tried to throw them out, you know, a lot of people, there were a lot of squatters uh, of all kinds back then, and... Uh,
1: uh, but they had brought, like, a sub- celebrity artist Yes, a lot of celebrity... Jo- Joseph boys Joseph was there. Joseph
0: Boys, Mary Baraka. Yeah. Um, so, in any case, they, um, the city then gave them a building on Rivington Street, and I think they're right now renovating it, but they're still. Yeah, they're in there. exile now, and, uh, yes. p-
1: and the building's being renovated. But
0: they're still there to this day. Right. Yeah.
1: And uh, well, anyway, so we brought. What we did was it was f- sort of funny. Uh, we bought a paddy wagon. Yes, a Chicago paddy wagon. A Chicago p- City Police paddy wagon, a big steel monstrosity and uh we packed that up and then I had a van and we packed the van up and we took all the set the set was uh, really cool <laughs> uh and we we brought it to New York and we parked the paddy wagon outside of uh No Rio slept inside the building uh there was a bathhouse on avenue on 1st avenue near Rivington i think between Rivington and Delancey there was a bathhouse there and um stayed at No Rio. I'd sneak out and go up to New Haven quite often and stay with Gabrielle.
0: I'm just saying it wouldn't be First Avenue because it's below us and so it oh. would be like uh whatever, whatever. avenue okay, it is. Come on, whatever yeah. all it right, is. All right, it's sorry. about 3 blocks away. Allen Street, away. Or something.
1: Allen Street yeah. yeah. So uh anyway, so we were um, sitting there <laughs> inside No Rio and uh the van was parked right out front and everybody said, "Well, you should hire a graffiti artist around." To, uh, you know, to have them graffiti the van.
0: So that it doesn't get graffitied. <laughs> no,
1: so it doesn't, So it's protected, yeah, which is I true. Mean. <laughs> I mean, not just you know, broken into or whatever. Yeah, People yeah. would just destroy it. So it just was sitting out front of No Rio, and it, it got a nice little art put on it. And um, so that was No Real, which we developed a relationship with, and then from there we moved back to Chicago, to New I. Tanush went up to Toronto, and I sort of followed him up to Toronto. You went up there and started working with Thieves Theater too in your summers when yes. you were outside of uh, um, classes. But we sort of ba- basically followed uh, Tanush up to Toronto and started doing the theater in Toronto. Then
0: exactly. Do we talk about Murat Sad now, or
1: well, I mean, what we were doing theater in Toronto. First of all, we said, wow. All the attention you get oh, for man. doing our fringe theater up in so Toronto. It was so exciting to, to have actu- in Toronto. Yeah, to actually have press interested in what you were doing. Money. Well, yeah. <laughs> if we you did
0: anything related to Canadiana.
1: You had money. We weren't doing Canadiana. But I mean, th- the point is that there was a lot of money for. Theater Was in Toronto seemed much more respected in so many yes, different ways by Canadian the press actors, and everything oh, yeah. else.
0: So, um, do we want to talk about Marat Saad now?
1: No, 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 let's, in fact, let's, uh, let's go into that because it's a big deal, let's go.
0: <laughs> Next episode.
1: <laughs> Next episode, okay. we should talk about Marat Saad because yes. that really, you know, is uh, one of the, another pivotal point inside the theater.
0: Yeah, there are two more pivotal points that have a direct connection to The Hill and yeah. uh, we were proceed Okay, thanks. Thanks for listening, guys. Um, again, you can find out a lot more at thievestheater.org. That's theater with an
1: R-E. And you can follow us on Instagram and uh, Twitter Twitter at uh, T-P-On-The-Hill.
0: T-I-P-I-On-The-Hill. All right. Till next time. Thank thanks. you. Bye.